0: This is Baby Sleep Myths, part two. Our first myth-busting episode is one of our all-time most listened to, and we've had loads of DMs and comments telling us how useful it was. If you've already listened to it, you probably thought that there couldn't possibly be any more sleep myths. There was no way there could be that much whack floating about in the parent sphere. Well, the bad news is, there 100% is, and the good, we're going to bust it for you. Hello, I'm Kat QB, broadcaster, podcaster, and mythbuster. And this is Sarah Carpenter, sleep expert, parent ally, and baked bean hater.
1: <laughs> Together,
0: we are the sleep mums. Ugh,
1: baked beans on toast, my worst nightmare.
0: <laughs> Crazy person who doesn't need sleep and doesn't like baked beans. Total weirdo. <laughs>
1: Thanks, you're full of compliments.
0: In this week's myth-busting episode, we'll dispel some madness about five bits of regularly heard sleep advice. You may even realise you've told yourself one of these things. So it's not going to be pretty, but it will be satisfying. And hopefully, by the end of it, you'll understand more about baby sleep and how we can all get more of it. Our first myth to bust isn't strictly just one. In fact, it could be any number of well-meant bits of advice that all start with, your baby will sleep better when? What follows might be when they're eating, when they're crawling, when they're this age or this number of weeks. It might be when they've eaten their first birthday cake or said their first word. So Sarah, why do we hear this so often? Why is it always,
1: your baby will sleep better when? Partly because that's what's happened for that person. So, you know, for a parent who has had a light bulb moment at, say, six weeks, 12 weeks, 20 weeks, they will then pass that information on and that's their reference. You know, they will say, oh, well, when they get to X amount of weeks or months, they will sleep through or their sleep will improve. And then also because, um, you know, everyone wants to relate something or an event or a developmental leap to an age and that's not the case you know babies as we've said so many times babies will develop at their own pace and rate and change as and when they are ready in the first year of a baby's life their sleep patterns are changing so much you know it's not the longest spell that you really will get in the first year is two to three months roughly that will be your like result. before things change you mean Aha! huh yes yeah, so your longest settled spell of a routine or schedule or developmentally and then things are going to change again so you're not ever going to get a year of good sleep you know that's just not going to happen and you're not going to get a number where it changes and then it stays that way for a longer period of time that doesn't happen in the first year so although your magic number could be six months it doesn't mean that you're then never going to have a bad night again or never going to have full night's sleep every night you know of course there's going to be more developmental changes that can then have a knock on effect so there is no magic number there is no magic time there is no magic weight there's no magic (laughs) it's just I guess uh, as you're sort of touching on that you know well
0: firstly as a parent you're so desperate to grasp onto anything that you're like that will make sense of how things are and so you listen to other people's experiences which is 100% a good thing and part of that is why we share our own experiences too but it's not necessarily going to be the same for you and the second reason I guess as we're saying is See, once that first year is behind you and you are a parent of a slightly older child, you will remember things slightly differently. And because those changes, as you say, are, you know, nothing's going to stay the same for longer than a couple of months in that first year, you will probably look back and go, oh yeah, well, everything got better when they were around six months or everything got better when they were around a year. But it might actually have been four months or it might, you know, and I think that because you kind of shrink that time, and then we hold on to it
1: and go oh yeah that's definitely the reason does that make sense
0: (laughs) I got a bit waffly there
1: Yeah, no, it totally makes sense. And you're absolutely right. You know, you don't, unless you've written everything down in that first year, you don't remember it the way it happened. And there will be spells. I mean, I can't tell you how many times people get in touch and say, you know, my baby was a fantastic sleeper until this time, and then it all went wrong. But actually, when you start to pick it apart and start to ask the right questions, they haven't been that settled before what they thought was unsettled either or
0: yeah.
1: they might get in touch thinking that they're really unsettled and actually they're right on track for where they need to be so. th- and that all comes down to expectations as well isn't it
0: that I think that you might be like well my it's all right that I have an unsettled or not unsettled at all a completely normal baby who wakes up however many times a night at three months but then by six months you're like oh, well that's not acceptable but that's about expectations rather than necessarily about what's right for you and your baby
1: exactly and you know as we've said in so many of these episodes your expectations are your expectations and then it's about actually discussing the, the appropriate needs of the baby and the needs of you and it's okay for you to have needs as well it's not just about your baby's needs it's about your family's needs and whilst it's true, obviously,
0: developmentally, milestones do impact sleep. Like that is, you know, it, you just can't necessarily put a date on it for your baby. The other thing that's true is rather than it being about necessarily being about food or age or things, the best thing that will help your baby sleep better is helping your baby to sleep better. And that I know that, that sounds like ridiculous, but what I mean by that is obviously all the things that we talk about like good sleep habits, routine, making sure they're not overtired.
1: Yep. If you've got good sleep habits from day one and you're getting them into a routine which is matching their needs and you're one step ahead with that, then of course you're going to have better sleep and more settled babies because you're meeting their needs. And for a lot of people in turn, that means that you're then meeting your own needs because you know where you're at. You know, for so many people... The uncertainty of each day can become very, very overwhelming. But if you've got those good habits in place and you know, again, of course, babies aren't robots, they're going to have off days. But if you know in general what you're going to be doing for that day, you can plan things. You can you know, do what makes you happy as well as what's making them happy.
0: I was nodding super vigorously there because I 100% agree because that was was very true for me, but it might not be for you. And, you know, that's why it's important with any of these sleep myths to take them with a pinch of salt because it's going to be different for different people. (laughs) Our next myth is a phrase that often gives parents the twitch as much as, oh, you look tired and are they sleeping through? It is perhaps the most unhelpful piece of advice anyone can give to you. It is sleep when the baby sleeps. Because it's like, duh, do you think I don't understand the concept of sleep or taking a nap? Do you not think I did sleep perfectly or perhaps imperfectly before I had a baby? And so the reason I'm not sleeping when the baby is sleeping are varied. And as we touched upon in our episode about parent guilt, often nothing to do with knowing that you should or could be sleeping. In fact, sometimes that makes it worse. You just can't.
1: Yeah, I mean, you can't automatically just switch off. You've got a lot going on as well, your hormones, your emotions, and you've also got the pressure of still feeling like you've got a house to run. So... You're not just going to be able to. As soon as someone says, "Okay, you can go for an nap now," you're not going to be able to switch off. And a lot of the time, you know, you're so overwhelmed by what's ahead of you that you actually end up in this sort of trap of thinking: as soon as the baby falls asleep, okay, this is my only opportunity to do a million things because um, you feel like when babies awake, they're actually on you all the time, and so you can't make yourself a cup of tea or you know do the washing or the hoovering or whatever else is. piling up on you that you feel needs done
0: and that's also suggesting that you are able to put your baby down to sleep because a lot
1: of folk don't manage
0: to do that at the beginning either
1: exactly so yeah there's lots of reasons why this myth is just total bollocks
0: (laughs) i think that's your first swear i knew one of these myths would bring it out in you because to be honest this myth is the myth that makes me want to swear as well. This one put a lot of pressure on me because I'm a horrible napper. And I also really struggled to sleep, partly because of levels of depression and anxiety with babies. And I honestly, even talking about it just now, I feel my heart rate rising because it just felt so frustrating to me. This one and another one, which is, I know people are really well-meaning when they say this this is a phrase rather than a myth but it goes too fast you know once you have older kids you know how fast it goes but also that's that can be very stressful for new parents. I, I, for me, it was anyway, because I was like, oh, I've got to appreciate every moment, and I'm not, I'm not, I'm not. This is shit. I'll go and do another swear. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, but it is. It's, you're absolutely right. You know, it's a horrible um, feeling when you've got this tiny baby that you're not clicking with and you're not enjoying every minute and people are saying that to you or they're saying "Oh, make the most of being up at night and make the most Mm -hmm. of these cuddles and you're just thinking I've cuddled this baby for 24 hours and I want them to help me now. And so you you feel horrific for feeling like that when actually it's the norm. Totally.
0: And there's another reason why this is a myth, the sleep whilst your baby is sleeping,
1: because Newborn babies can sleep up to 18 hours a day. So that is a lot of sleep for anyone.
0: I mean, it sounds amazing, but there's absolutely no danger. I I could sleep for 18 hours a day. I think I probably tried when I was like a student or a teenager, but definitely could not do that now.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've hit this phase with Harry at eight and a half. I think he could probably give it a good Really? On a school day? Skills. (laughs) I look forward to that moment.
0: (laughs) So because we want to treat you like grown-ups or at least semi-responsible human beings, what should you do when the baby sleeps? Obviously, I mean, if they're doing that and if they're not sleeping, then there's this really good podcast called The Sleep Mums you should totally listen to. (laughs) But yeah, what sort of things can you do if your baby is sleeping that might be more helpful to you than trying to have a nap that you can't have?
1: try and look after yourself you know it's as simple as actually taking this time if baby's not sleeping on you then taking this time to make yourself cup of tea sit down catch up on an episode of something flick through a magazine make yourself some lunch like so many of us just forget to eat at this stage and actually it's really important to eat and drink constantly if you do If you feel overwhelmed when your house is a bit of a riot, then use that time just to sort things out, but don't put too much pressure on yourself. You know, rather than facing the whole house, maybe face one room or face one job, whether it's sorting through the baby presents or something like that. You know, just keep it simple. Don't overdo it. And if you do like being organised and make lists, because you will feel better if you can set yourself a list over the course of a week that you can achieve.
0: I love a list.
1: Yeah, me too. Can't get enough of them. But yeah, you know, that just makes it a little bit more manageable. And then you will use the time that you have a little bit better. And do things like have a bath or have a shower. It doesn't matter what time of day it is. If you've got that window, do it then. Get someone around to do nails or get a mobile hairdresser to do your hair. You know, just really think about you for a change rather than everyone else and the baby. If you can nap, then nap. I'd also quite like to add one into the mix,
0: do nothing when the baby sleeps. That's also totally fine. Like if all of the things that we're talking about have stressed you out, even the thought of self-care stresses you out, you can just sit down and try and breathe because I think I did not pause at all or allow myself to pause. And I look back and think, no wonder I was so stressed out.
1: Yeah. Absolutely, you do. I remember a good friend of mine coming around when I'd had Harry, and I think he was maybe about six weeks. And she said she walked into the house, and I was in my pajamas. And she was like, "Oh my god! Like I remember when you were pregnant, saying that you were going to stay in your pajamas for the first six weeks. You've actually done that." <laughs> like surprised in a good way, you know. She was like, "Well done, you know. You have actually." And it wasn't exactly true because I had left the house. In the <laughs> But when I was at home, I was in my pyjamas and I loved it. So yeah, you know, these things are all okay.
0: I think I might start a campaign for us to just wear pyjamas all the time though. How awesome would that be? I mean, I know there's kind of been these like wee nods in fashion to like wearing a pyjama shirt or something, but I mean, full on your grotty pyjamas that are super comfortable. Let's just do that. Go out in our like, you know, dressing gowns and stuff. If we all do it, if we all do it, it will be fine. (laughs) Let's start a movement. (laughs) Our next myth is one that's really easy to understand why it both exists and why it's so easy to get into doing yourself. It is baby only wakes because they're hungry. Even if you kind of know this isn't the case, it's still such an easy habit or situation to get into, isn't it?
1: Absolutely and you know it's another one that comes from pressure as well. I was recently with a client who was bigging up the podcast a lot saying how amazing it had been and she was saying that we had to get this one in about when she went to visit her in-laws with her first baby every time he squeaked they immediately were like oh he's hungry he's hungry he just needs to be fed And she said, you know, it was throughout the day, throughout the night. It was just this constant, you know, every time he made a noise, you have to feed him. So, yeah, it is a huge myth, but it's not. You know, babies wake up for lots of different reasons. It could be a wet nappy. It could be a pooy nappy. It could be a change in the environment around them. So, you know, there's loads of different reasons that babies wake up and you don't need to feed them every time, which is why if you listen back to some of our routine episodes, we do talk about timings of feeds and thinking about when it's appropriate to feed them
0: but I think it's also such an easy cycle to get into because quite often feeding baby will settle them even if it's for a short period of time so you kind of get into this like situation where baby wakes up you give them a feed and they go back to sleep so you're like yeah there we go that worked and also the people around you think that worked or they think it's the best way to settle them but baby has also now learned that the best way for them to go back to sleep is by feeding so you kind of Even if they're not hungry, you get into this cycle of only using milk to be able to settle them.
1: It becomes a comforter. The milk or the sucking becomes a comforter rather than being a need. And also
0: that then means you think that they're hungry because they're kind of looking for it, but they're not necessarily.
1: Yeah, absolutely. They'll be showing the signs because you've responded to it. So they will then use those signs to look for it. And you'll automatically feed them.
0: So how do you know if they're hungry? Seeing as we should probably talk about that because this one I think is one that will resonate with a lot of people.
1: So again, you want to come back and take a diary, you know, really write down exactly what's going on so that you're seeing a pattern try and resettle them if they've woken up at say nine o'clock and you've fed them because that's been two to three hours since their last feed and then they wake up again at half past nine or ten o'clock try and resettle them first do a little bit of reselling very gentle methods but try and see if they then do just drop off and you get that extra hour and a half out of them so you're just thinking about when you've previously fed them, thinking about how good that feed was. Obviously, if the feed at nine o'clock had been absolutely rubbish and they'd only taken 30 seconds and they'd fallen asleep and you couldn't wake them up for love nor money, then yes, they might be be hungry. So once you've tried the settling techniques for a little while, you are going to feed them because we don't want hungry babies either. But just try and look at the bigger picture and try and look at what you've done. Previously, and see, and also think about wind. You know, a lot of the time, if a baby's waking up very quickly after one feed, it can be because they've got a little bit of trapped wind.
0: Which is also a cycle you get into if you they're like the more you feed, the more wind, especially if there's wind trapped, the more discomfort they end up in. So, you can kind of that can be a bit of a self fulfilling
1: situation as well. Yeah, definitely. Wind can be the biggest reason for babies cluster feeding. Why does wind make them cluster feed? discomfort so yeah if they are waking up because they're uncomfortable because they they can feel the discomfort of the wind then they will wake up because they're in a little bit of pain so again try and listen to their cries um, and really work you know we've done a little reel over on our Instagram page showing all the different methods for wind and it is really important to kind of go through those and um, you know really try and work out where the wind is and think about what your baby's doing you know if if they are squirming as soon as you pick them up the chances are they have got wind and if their cry sounds very different to the one previously then again you know if it's a sort of more high-pitched squealy uncomfortable cry think about wind first before feeding.
0: I kind of want to say one final thing about this as well, because we sort of touched on it in the beginning. Lots of people around you will think that the the only reason is hunger. And that is because they can kind of direct that back to you if you are the main carer and tend to do the feeding, whether that's bottle or breast. And so they might be suggesting it, not because it's true. Um, They're just making a suggestion. And I think that that can feel like pressure. And we kind of said that at the start, but I know that I got really pissed off with my partner at times because he would quite often say can you not just feed her or can you not just feed him and that's not always the solution.
1: I think as well for other people it's panic you know they they don't know what to do they they can't or they feel like they're not helping you because nobody's said to them okay these are the things that you can do when you're in this situation and that would really help. And because they don't know, they automatically are like, oh my God, stop the baby crying, just put them on the boot. Yeah, yeah. Or put them a bottle. You know, it's not, it is, it comes from a place of panic rather than a place of negativity. They are just trying to, trying to help their baby or their grandchild or, you know, they're seeing their wife or daughter looking pained by the whole crying experience. And so they, they just do what they think is going to work and see what they think is going to work. I think that's true for a lot of these myths.
0: I don't think they come from a bad place. People are just trying to help. This next one, like a lot of myths, continues, I think, because it plays into a parent's greatest fear. Our next myth is a breastfed baby will not sleep through the night. If you're breastfeeding, one of the hardest things is knowing or being confident that your baby is getting enough milk, particularly if you struggle to feed at the beginning, which I have quite a lot of experience in, or if you have any ongoing medical issues. And so often, and I experience this from a whole range of different people, you will be told that if your baby's not sleeping and they are breastfed, that giving them formula will ensure that they will then sleep better. This myth doesn't just affect breastfeeding parents, it also affects those who are bottle feeding because it can make them feel like crap if their baby isn't sleeping and they're like, well, my baby's on formula milk, they should be fine. So Sarah, talk to me about this
1: myth. This is a complete myth. There's nothing to back it up. Breastfed babies, bottle-fed babies, combination-fed babies, they will all sleep through when you and they are ready. That's the thing. You know, it's its not about what they're taking on board. That makes them sleep through it's about meeting their needs and as you said you know a baby who has medical issues or tongue tie or reflux you know that these things are all going to contribute towards it taking a little bit longer or making the process slightly different so when we're talking about babies sleeping through we're talking about babies who are gaining weight steadily who are meeting their milestones who are feeding well with whatever method of feeding you know, you as a parent have to be ready for it. You have to be calm. You have to be in a good place. Because if you're anxious, then that's gonna affect how well the baby sleeps as well. So it really is everything comes into it. But no, you're you're totally fine to keep breastfeeding. Don't feel that pressure to introduce a bottle. I think we both spoke to somebody over the weekend, didn't we cat, that was saying, you know, Um, I've reached this point, I'm not sleeping through, I'm going to give them a bottle in the evening and then they're going to magically sleep for 12 hours. I'm like, you know, that's not going to happen. It's actually when we looked at the other information that she was sending, the naps were all out of whack and the bedtime was far too late. So, you know, there were a million other things that she could try and do and implement without having to introduce that bottle that actually when we spoke to her she didn't want to introduce she wasn't ready to introduce that formula bottle she just had been told so many times that that was going to be the key thing that was going to make it work so she was feeling that pressure to do it when actually she just wanted to carry on breastfeeding and that is completely fine
0: totally and I think as we sort of touched on at the beginning it also suggests that the only reason babies wake up is because they're hungry because essentially the basis of this is somehow that formula milk is going to be more fulfilling. And we know that's not true because babies wake up for a whole range of different reasons. And second of all, that's not the case. The baby does digest formula milk in a different way to breast milk, but it's all about fulfilling needs. So as long as you're fulfilling baby's needs, then it shouldn't be a case that one is better than the other.
1: No, absolutely not. And this is why we always talk about the full 24 hours. You know, we never split it into days and nights because, you know, with a baby, it is about 24 hours. It's about meeting their needs over 24 hours. And that's the only way that you are going to get to your end goal, whatever that might be. And I think it's so
0: important for us to talk about these things and also to not make it into you know one thing or other as well and you touched on combination feeding too and you know there's a whole range of different ways that we feed our babies and we should support each other within them rather than making a competition so our final myth is oh it's just a bit of colic they'll grow out of it clearly the person saying it doesn't need to be scottish i threw in that oh but firstly sarah what is colic
1: So colic is a very old school word, meaning unexplained crying, which can be really unhelpful. If your baby does seem to be very unsettled, it's unlikely to be unexplained. Babies do have a very immature digestive system and it can take time for their bodies to get used to the world. So if your baby is in a lot of distress, waking frequently and does seem to be in pain, especially during or after a feed and you've ruled out wind, hunger, burping, then it's important to go and seek medical advice from your healthist or midwife or GP. And you would always say, try and take evidence of the
0: things that you're talking about. Like, I I must have sent you hundreds of pictures of poos, (laughs) not just for fun. I mean, like when my kids were wee, uh, because you can tell a lot from poo. So if you are going to see someone or you want to seek advice, it's probably important to have a bit of stuff to show them so that they can help
1: absolutely so poo pictures pictures
0: (laughs) I Um, don't know why that sounds
1: so wrong it's like I don't know poo pics poo pics so you know take poo pics take pictures of baby's skin and take a diary of feeds and reactions to the feed as well so you know if you've got a video of a baby straight after a feed appears to be very distressed then try and get a video of that and take that along as well because you know that when you get to your dp's office your baby's going to sleep sweetly and be (laughs) an absolute angel every time uh, exactly so the more evidence you've got of what you're experiencing at home the easier it is for the them to help yeah exactly
0: and I think it's probably quite important to say that you should never cut things out or stop or change your formula or do anything weird to baby's diet without seeking that advice because you know it's be- it's always better to-, to talk to a professional to-, to give you support within that
1: definitely yep always get the advice and it just means as well then that you're getting the proper support for moving forward and ignore the little old
0: ladies that say oh it's just a bit of colic <laughs> I don't know why they've suddenly gone a bit golem. <laughs> <laughs> so you may have heard these rumours on the grapevine. That always makes me think of like wine, like boozy talk, the grapevine. Maybe that's where it comes from. Or whispered at playgroup. They may even have been keeping me up at night. And that's why we wanted to bust them. There's lots of advice out there. Not all of it good, despite most folks' best intentions. As ever, we hope this helped. Our aim, along with helping all parents sleep better, is to cut through the crap on bad advice. If you want to tell us how much you like this episode, we would absolutely love that. You can write us a review, get in touch with us online at The Sleep Mums on Instagram and Facebook. I'm also slightly randomly trying to set us up a Pinterest page at the moment. I have no idea what I'm doing though. (laughs) It would also be ace if you'd subscribe to our podcast. It really helps us to carry on doing what we do best, helping other parents. Look after yourselves and sleep soon.